I'm Kate Daniels. We are living in some interesting times. So much change seeming to happen constantly, not the least of which is the big employment work picture. Here to provide some good and important insights is Jeff Arnold, who is a leadership expert, having bought and sold more than 40 different companies in several industries and has extensive experience leading and motivating teams made up of all different age groups and backgrounds. Jeff is a best-selling author, and his newest book is Leading Across Generations. Jeff Arnold, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us today. Good morning. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you. You, You're so welcome. I am really grateful because you have information and insights and work on leadership skills in this whole arena that right now I am finding so challenging and perplexing in our workplaces. And, and then I read these words like quiet quitters, bare minimum Mondays, lazy girl jobs. I thought, no, that can't be a real thing. And yet it is. Yeah, absolutely, and you, and you are not alone in your uh, in your quest for what does it all mean, right? Because yes. uh, uh, there has most certainly been a shift in the in the uh, m- mentality, the mindset, the viewpoint about work uh, lately. And uh, as uh, I would submit to you and and your listeners, that you can really define it by generational, right? And so we talk about it in a generational standpoint from baby boomers, to Gen X, to millennials, Gen Zs, all down to the new alphas. And so I'm looking forward to unpacking all this in the next several minutes. Well, wonderful. And honestly, you have uh, just a a lot of courage, ambition, you know, belief that we could really unravel all of that in a few minutes. But by all means, because um, being in the workforce, observing this, sometimes I think I'm living in some alternate reality at times. Uh, is that what other people sometimes feel? Absolutely. It is, it's uh, quite candidly a very common, uh, I, I would call it a, a very common emotional experience these days, um, that, that every single scenario of frustration that uh, workers and employers and managers uh, are having, are engaging in, are receiving, um, is based upon their interpretation or their beliefs that they grew up with versus what uh, those above them or below them or beside them in, in industry have grown up with. And just uh, um, to, to uh, again, just to unpack that a little bit more, I'll just let's dive through kind of a generational piece and I'll be succinct and try to go through it quick here, but uh, you know, I don't think any of your listeners would disagree with the fact that um, if uh, the baby boomers, if you told them uh, that work starts at 8, uh, they would be there at 7.59 because 8 o'clock is late, right? That was just a mental mindset or a discipline that was instilled with them forever. Uh, and, and Gen X is mostly true to that. You would say uh, 8 o'clock, and if they didn't show up at 8 o'clock, you, what's your problem? We start at 8. 8.01 is late. Get here. Um, then there was another generation which eclipsed the baby boomers and certainly eclipsed Gen X, which is a much smaller generation, and that was millennials. And then millennials were followed by Gen Z, uh, and then Gen Alpha is now coming into the workplace. Well, there's a shift, there's a pivot, there's a, a difference in viewing uh, uh, things from millennials and, and Gen Z. And again, it's not bad. We aren't uh, degrading other generations. We're just saying that it's a different 
belief than maybe boomers and Gen X had, right? We, we re, I'm Gen X, by the way. I'm a mid-60s baby. Um, and so I'm the, the smallest generation of all of them is, is Gen X. And, and the belief we were brought up with, you work hard. You know, America's a, a hard uh, a country that was built on hard work and sacrifice. And not that millennials and Gen Zs do not believe that. But they, in the very beginning, were looking for a work-life balance that admittedly didn't enter into the older generation's mindset until maybe the kids were getting uh, to, to middle age or high school. Were they seeking for that? So, again, uh, there's a whole lot to talk about here, but the, the very first place we start is once we understand that it's looked at really by five different ways, depending on how the generation was brought up and their interpretation of what – a work should do for them versus what they should do for work. You really kind of understand where the the nuances lie and where the disagreements can happen, and of course where the difficult conversations and the emotionally led pieces of a uh, of dialogue happen. That is really so insightful. That's probably why you are so great at this work by being able to really get such a grip on it and dissected into these various generations and how we regard work. Not to say that, you know, and I put myself in the boomer category. So uh, although, you know, I can see the slip into Gen X, you know, and that whole thing with time. But looking at it this clearly, you know, delineating it this way, I think helps people to have a better understanding and we can have conversations. Absolutely. Dialogue is, is the very first starting point. And, and you know, it's quite interesting as I um, am fortunate to speak to people all over the U.S. and well, in, in, in Europe, too. So pretty much all over the planet of the, um, the there are, of course, lines drawn by generation in so many of the mindsets. But then uh, so many of us don't want to be associated with the generation in that part of the stereotype in it, right? And so <laughs> I'll give you a perfect example. We'll pick on Gen X because that way no one could tell me that I was picking on other generations. <laughs> and so as I'm first starting to have, uh, you know, ready on television interviews on, on this book, uh, um, I was uh, lamenting over a dinner. My, my, uh, my whole family was there. We were actually in Warsaw, Poland for my son's wedding. And I was complaining to my mom my own mother, who's in the boomer generation, about my kids are always on the phone. They're always, their heads down in TikTok, and I just need them to be, be up and get engaged. And I thought, you know, we all kind of thought that way or believed that way. Well, my stereotype was challenged by my own mother in this story because she used the Jeffrey, Jeffrey, so you know I have to listen. <laughs> Jeffrey, may I remind you that uh, you used to drive your father crazy because you would not move from in front of MTV or Gilligan's Island any day after school to get work done or get a job or even when you were in college. So it's just a different instrument now, right? So, so today it's phones. It used to be MTV. And so it was a great, uh, a giant bite of humble pie. But it's kind of interesting um, when, when we're talking about this, how generations kind of don't see themselves that, that way too. I had a whole bunch of Gen Alpha, youngest, the latest, the, the, the new generation coming into the workplace in the next couple of years, and Gen Z. And, and none of them really associated themselves with, uh, sorry for the word, like a slacker. They're like, oh, no, we have to work hard and learn harder because we have to you know, catch up and, and make the older generations impressed and, and, and lift technology in ways that haven't been thought of, which is kind of a different mindset than other generations see them. So it's, it's really about opening up the lines of communication, 
and figuring out what things we can agree on and what things we can't agree on, right? Which is all difficult conversations start there. Right. But of course, we know that th- that dialogue, those conversations need to happen. But I think sometimes we feel like, oh, where do I start? You know, how do we even do this? I get concerned about, you know, wanting to make sure that you know, everyone is is respected in the context of this, that, you know, there's no feeling of, you know, well, you're picking on me, as you just alluded to, Jeff, or that you're, you know, putting me down in some way. But that's what you do in in your new book is help us um, to dissect some of that in leading across the generations. It's certainly the goal of uh, of uh, my latest book, uh, and you know, I have a couple reminders and and talking points when we're talking with executives or managers or anyone who has to lead up or down or around uh, all the generations. And that is, there's there's two really uh, good takeaways that if you can commit it to memory. It, it will uh, help in everything you do. Uh, and the first is that the goal of any conversation in employment space is to correct the behavior without destroying the person. So that's the most paramount thing that anybody can take away, right? How do you correct the behavior without destroying the person? And to the uninitiated, the unskilled, the unex- inexperienced, it's, you know, if you're a new manager and people, of course, want you to c- correct the person who's late for lunch or, isn't answering phones or isn't pulling their own weight or mailing it in, right? And and that is to go and attack the person. Um, and, and that's a very sophomoric approach to to leadership or management. The first thing is to, to find things you can agree on um, and then correct the behavior without destroying the person. Uh, and, and then the second part we, uh, you know, encourage managers and leaders is be relational and not just transactional. And what we mean by that is – connect with someone. Don't just communicate with them, right? So you could tell someone, uh, Jeff, you, it, it seems like uh, 8 o'clock is this a suggestion with you. Uh, it's not. Get here on time, right? Um, yeah, that's one way to deliver it, but you've been very transactional and you've communicated something. There's a way to be relational and seek a connection. Jeff, we love you. You do great work at, at our company. It seems like there's a disconnect about what 8 o'clock means to you versus others. Help me understand why that's a problem, right? You do again, you're a fantastic job. We appreciate you, but you stand out in a negative way because you can't seem to get here on time. Now you're communicating. Of course, they're on guard a little bit, but you haven't just attacked the person we're talking about. How do we correct this behavior? And so, um, lots of uh, discussions around that and talking points um, in uh, in the book and some and, and some checklists that we provide. And that really comes to the point of having respect for the individual rather than just looking at them as an employee or a number and you're here to do the job for me. Absolutely, right? It's um, at the end of the day, um, well, there's two two ways to see this this comment. A lot of people say, um, uh, bright and informed and intelligent people say, uh, people are our most important assets of any company. And I agree with that, although the more experienced I get and having, you know, uh, I can beat my own chest a little on your show, having bought and sold 40 different companies over the years and had thousands of employees, I just amend that a little bit that says the right employees are our most important assets, right? Like everyone's an asset, admittedly, right? When they leave the factory or the business or the office or park the trucks at night, the most important asset has walked away, and that's the human, right? Right. 
Um, but the right ones are our most important assets. Those who are using it as a career, no problem seeking work-life balance. But, you know, in life, in work, in marriage, in relationships, you get what you give, right? And if you're just constantly taking, you're not going to get anything back. And that's, you know, on the employment side as well. That the right people are our most important assets. And that certainly is key. If that could be communicated, don't that if we are not in the right place, we shouldn't want to be there. We're taking up a spot that really is for someone else, and we're missing out on what is the right thing for us. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, we all, uh, the entirety of us, uh, could all use. Um, I, I don't want to use just the buzzwords of, buzzwords of today uh, uh, about a diversity inclusion training, but just good uh, communication training on how to have difficult conversations, how to lean into them. And again, um, it doesn't have to be argumentative, confrontational. You can allow an alternative thought uh, into your mind and certainly out of their lips. You don't have to agree with it, but they have the absolute right to say it. Uh, even if you don't agree with it, you can uh, align somewhere on what they're saying, right? And uh, so much of what's happening, and the reason this divide, this chasm, this uh, bridge, uh, this valley keeps growing between us all, is um, uh, I think it could be summarized quickly is listen, hate speech is not speech that you hate, right? Just because it doesn't sit well with you doesn't mean it's hate speech. And so if, if you want to attack, someone, a coworker, whatever, just because of their opinions, that gets us nowhere. There are unique strengths and challenges of each generation, of each worker. We can find out how to create a culture of respect and collaboration. And respect means you can have a different viewpoint. Guess what? You can also espouse that different viewpoint and feel free to, you know, to, to, uh, to, to say that. So to, to a accomplish this. Now, you are proclaimed as being a lover of difficult conversations. So I guess it's it's really no surprise. And it's a good thing. You've written a book for us to be able to learn from this. Can, Can we feel confident that we'll be able to do this but then it takes practice. How do we do that in a, in a team environment where there all are the multi generations, and to be able to understand each other and to do this in a respectful way? Yes, yeah, certainly it's it's not easy, and and every um, single person in business today, uh, and by business I mean any 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 employment, right? Um, every single person, employee, manager, leader, executive has had their entire skill set stretched beyond anything they ever imagined, right? So it used to be that um, uh, you could focus on, you know, just the return on income, return on equity, or, or driving forward change. But now so much of your day has to be spent on communication skills, uh, conversational excellence, listening, uh, providing feedback. And that's not all. It's more touchy-feely than anything, for lack of a better way to describe it. And that's not always easy for people who are driven by results, driven by quarterly uh, requirements to, to, to make share price or to make profit goals. And so it requires a different skill set of every manager. Um, and that is really – we talk about it in terms – or I talk about it in how do you decode 
engage, pivot, and lean into the tough conversations. It sounds like a lot of descriptive words, but you have to realize at the right point, is this the time to decode, right? So de-escalate what's happening. Spend the time, even though you have a thousand things due on your to-do list, you have to engage in this difficult conversation. Get buy-in and feedback. Of course, you may have to pivot uh, the ideology or the mentality or the direction where it's going, and then lean into them, right? Lean forward, be engaged. It does not have to be, as I'm repeating from earlier, confrontational or argumentative. should always just seek alignment first. Like, what are the things we can agree on? The very greatest politicians for, for from ever, if you look at what other people write about them, it is that they could always, they had this masterful skill, masterful skill to seek alignment first, right? Whether it's between nations or countries or uh, fighting fractions or so, it's where can we agree upon first? Because that's the starting point for anything. So uh, it's a bit of a, a rabbit hole, I apologize, but in your own uh, employment area, in your own uh, cubicle or your own office, what are the things you agree upon first and that you can line on so you start building this foundational bricks that you can improve upon instead of just tearing down a wall or building a wall between you? So let's think in terms of perhaps the the example of a person who – and the 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock is when we're here to be at work, but I, that seems to be a suggestion for you. What if this is a good employee, but, you know, that time, uh, arriving on time, our time, is is an issue? Do you see that there needs to maybe be some kind of flexibility? Um, how do we deal with that, Jeff? Yeah, every single company has their own unique way that they're going to uh, handle this. Again, the unique challenges and strengths of each generation um, and it could be uh, that this is the flexibility that, that the younger generations are demanding, uh, right? Um, certainly, uh, if you want to recruit, hire, and train um, newer generations, flexibility and work-life balance is at the top of their uh, of their demand list, not wish list, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, once everyone's on board, you know, discipline is key to any company moving forward. So with respect to your question, um, if you can't be here at eight, I would submit this again, because I spend so much time in the generational differences and ideologies and the dialogue that has to happen. My response would be different, almost three or four differences. Uh, and I think we talked about a little at the top is again, if it's a baby boomer, it's just, Hey, Mark, look, eight o'clock, but 7.59 is late, right? If you're on time, you're five minutes late. That's how you grew up. You know that. You joke and move on. Uh, next generation down, it's uh, eight. Uh, is there a problem with eight? Because everyone else is here and you're not. Help me through this, right? The next generation millennials it, and uh, Gen Z, you might sandwich a little. You might tell them what a great asset and resource they are. And I don't mean to be pandering. I mean, this is just how they respond best. Um, again, Mark, you're a great job. You're a wonderful asset here, but you're the only one. This is the sandwich part. You're the only one that really can't seem to get here at eight when everyone else is here and already working and left their home in plenty of time um, to to make it here. How can I help you? What's the disconnect? And you start the dialogue. Um, And then um, certainly difficult conversations may have to happen. And that's when, that's when leaders have to uh, earn their title, right. And, And correct that behavior. 
without destroying the person. So regardless, it's all of this correction starts with conversations, leaning into the conversations. And we give people tips too, right? We say, look, if you're going to deliver bad news, don't hide behind a keyboard. Um, you, uh, you have to a lot of times do it on Zoom. But if it's in person, get in front of them, right, in a, in a non-aggressive way. Get that eye contact. Be very calm in your demeanor and make sure you have their attention so that just all the other emotion and energy around it conveys that this is a very serious conversation. So um, a little bit of a long-winded answer. I apologize. I, I, I could spend hours on this, but uh, we'll, we'll take the next one. I apologize. No, no apologies needed because, or necessary because I I feel that there's a lot of this that many of us can relate to and, and wanting to find the way that is going to work, you know, understanding, well, if if you're in a business where, you know, the doors open to the public at uh, 8 o'clock, then the employees all need to be there. How do we deal with flexibility or maybe it's not possible to have the flexibility and this is not the right place for that person you know they they need to find a position maybe elsewhere in the company or with a different company is that the way to approach it it, it absolutely it, it could be um there is this dilemma that uh, i think everyone would not in agreement to that it's just tough to get people to fill jobs right now and mm. so that, that gives the upper hand to this um, minimal work Monday mindset sometimes because if they have any modicum of a skill set and understand your process, like, all right, well, I, I have to retain them because I need people. And so uh, the the arc uh, is bending more on the employer side than anyone and, that, that in, and more than any of us could ever re- remember, right, because we need people. And so malls open up 10 minutes late, drive throughs closed 15 minutes earlier, uh, coffee shops don't open for only eight hours instead of 10 just because of the this um, lack of not qualified workers, but, but just workers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what we have to be careful at as companies and managers and leaders is um, at some point when a large percentage of, of your staff is throwing their hands in the air and saying, well, if you can't beat them, join them, right? Like that happens a lot of times. I counsel anyone um, begin, because I have a deep moral compass and a conviction that says, don't do that. Don't be that person that um, that that just mails it in or quits or does a, a minimal uh, Monday mindset. And I would say because of this, every industry, it's peaks and valleys, just like your, your uh, home life, like your relationship, like your relationship with yourself, with food, with money, with alcohol, whatever, right? This, your relationship changes over time. Well, one thing that remains constant is your brand, and your brand with your employer is developed, uh, whether you're just going to mail it in or you're going to always be late or you're one of those that this is kind of engaged. Once you earn your brand that way, it's very, very difficult to earn it back. So my guidance, even to my own kids at the dinner tables, your brand, brand of you is more important than anything, so go the extra mile. Um, you don't have to give in to those who are just doing it halfway and take great solace in knowing that in difficult times, which come, right? It's all a cyclical thing. It's never going to be great forever. Um, when companies have to make difficult decisions, the people they keep are the people that have the best brands or they go to war, for lack of a better word, with the army they can win with. So they know if they're going to have to do it with 10, 20, 30% less staff, they're going to go do it with the ones that will get things done. Mm. 
Yes. Okay. So we really are seeing such a shift. I we and it's easy to go and say, oh, well, it was the pandemic. It probably just put us in that pressure cooker. It was going to happen, but it just happened in a faster period of of time to have all of that just so change. And will we actually see it revert, but not saying that what we had was so perfect either, right, Jeff? I, I agree. There's room for improvement along the way. I mean, I, I still, uh, again, could, could be a generational thing, I still think of America as the land of opportunity, the land of freedom, the land of free enterprise. And I always, uh, uh, when I think of the work ethic, I think of, uh, uh, I say this a lot, you know, Rosie the Riveter tattoo on people's arms, like uh, the men went off to war and the women manned the factories and, and, and created everything to, to make it happen. So America uh, bends and changes and meets the challenges when they need to be met. I have great confidence that uh, all the generations will do this. Um, I think the, the disconnect is there's so many, just the sheer number of, uh, of um, the actual population in uh, between millennials and Gen Zs. I mean, it's just so massive that that uh, sometimes the, the the viewpoint ascribed to them is not accurate, right? It's a very narrow lens. There are certainly millennials now in their 40s that are homeowners that are that are you know uh, adapting this, this more disciplined mindset and understanding. Um, we're all going to get there. Uh, I think we're looking back through our lens, thinking that you know, we were already there at this time. Well, maybe we're adulting slower. I don't know what it is, but we're all going to get there. Everyone will still see that this is still the great land of opportunity, the land of free enterprise. And uh, you can be anything you want to be as long as you work hard enough and strong enough in America. And there is a lot of creativity when you think about uh, these young people who are just really doing unbelievably well with the the TikTok or the those the videos that they do, which I don't find myself leaning into, and it's kind of a foreign land for me. But it, there is a, a lot of talent, I think, that probably goes into that, and energy. It maybe doesn't require a forty hour or fifty or sixty hour work week, um, but they still seem to be able to do do some good stuff and make money. Yeah, it's it's true, and they're going to challenge these new generations. Are going to challenge. Um, you know, mindsets before, and they're going to create uh, unique ways of doing things, a, a unique way of seeing things. They're going to reinvent how things are done. They're going to change the world. Um, and then, you know, what, what I like to remind people when, the, uh, when we all get stuck in our rut, as uh, uh, if only they would think this way or whatever, that if we all thought the same, it would be a very boring world indeed, <laughs> right? Uh, then what, what would the universe have left to reveal to us? If we all thought the same, right? Right. So pretty, pretty good counsel. <laughs> right. Exactly. And ultimately, we all do live together on this planet. We need to to be able to communicate in a civilized and in a respectful and collaborative way, because we see how small this planet is and how critically important it is that we do that. So, you know, if it's 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 the workplace, but I think it's the model for what we need to do just in general in life and that's where I think the your book uh leading across generations really makes a difference to us just in life in general. Well, 
thank you so much. I appreciate that. Right. It's uh, it's been a lot of failures to uh, <laughs> to uh, incorporate the, the things you've done wrong and uh, set and, and critically challenge yourself to say, how, how could you have handled it? And that, that's kind of what went into it quite candidly. Like, like, what are the things we've done wrong and how can we improve it and how would we help the next generation? So I appreciate those words. The book is available, of course, at all of our favorite book sources, correct? Correct. Uh, well, Amazon.com is, uh, is is this one. I'm not on Barnes & Noble or the other one. So this uh, leading uh, cross generations is only on Amazon at this point. Oh, okay. Okay. Good to know. And to be able to connect with you, the website, that's a good uh, resource. Yeah, for this book, it's I think it's really simple. It's leading, leading.jeffarnold.com, leading.jeffarnold.com. Right. And so, again, more information about the book, more information about you and about leadership. And I th- I think, you know, really, it comes to being life. Yes, it's in our workplace because we spend a lot of time there and, and we're still in this time where we have our brick and mortar kind of uh, of buildings, even though we're kind of more into having some remote work going on. Even then, we still need to know how to communicate, and that's where I believe, again, we have the, a lot of value coming out of this book, Leading Across Generations. Awesome. Yeah, Kate, thank you so very much. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you for the opportunity to talk about uh, a subject very near and dear to me. Well, you are so welcome. I really appreciate your insights. It's going to, I trust, make each of our lives at least somewhat better. We just need to practice it. Agreed. Great. Well, many thanks again, Jeff Arnold.